0: Hi everyone and a huge welcome to the Dedicate Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Ivey. It really is so awesome being back into the swing of it. Everyone has a story and it's so interesting, inspiring and comforting hearing the challenges others have been through and of course what they've achieved because of or in spite of those challenges. Today I'm chatting to Bridget Johns. She's a realistic home organiser and time optimizer, and she's made a business out of being organised. Today we chat about this journey and she shares so many amazing insights into how we can declutter our lives and save time. Bridget also talks about her miscarriage and having the courage to start her own business. Hello. Hello, nice to see you again. You too. How are you? Good. Just got the
1: kids off on the bus, sorry, well, two husbands yet on the bus.
0: (laughs) What's that, sorry? Just got the kids...
1: Yeah, he's doing the bus run for us this morning. perfect,
0: perfect. Yes. Very organized in the background. That's my segue in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is an office slash spare room. (laughs) Nice, nice. And so that's where you do most of your work or do you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so during COVID, this was our guest room and had the queen size bed from when I was a child in here (laughs) and then when I talk about stop focus notice and when I realized I needed a space other than the kitchen table during COVID when we were homeschooling we moved um, my daughter's bed in here and she got the queen size bed and I had some space to to work from here and it's been the best thing ever because I use this room probably 95% of the time now when it was a guest room it probably got used yeah 5% of the time yeah (laughs) it's
0: so true um, so I'm going to go out there and say you are the queen of organization. <laughs> Tell me, have you always been like that?
1: Well, going back to the my bed uh, bedroom as a child, yeah. I think I like as a typical teenager, I was always quite messy. But before any exams or um yeah during my yeah year 12 exams I always had to have a clean space before I did work so a bit of both I think I would let it go and then have to have it tidy to have that clear space to have the clear mind to do the studying so Mm -hmm. a bit of both but I used to work in a shoe shop uh, in our David Jones shoe department so I always had an overflowing wardrobe, lots of shoes, um, needed everything in every colour. So definitely wasn't a minimalist, but (laughs) over time I've realised how much that helps me. It helps me to have less around me means when you've got intentional things around you that all work together by having less stuff, you actually have more options for what to wear and yeah, what to put together in the
0: pantry for, for food meals and things like that as well. To not overloading yourself with stuff that you don't need you've got yeah yeah and so what was the process for you because I mean not everyone ends up having their own business helping people to organize how did it go from you know just liking a neat and space neat and clear space to work on to you know it being a massive part of your life
1: yeah, well, I've been, my both my parents are school teachers, high school teachers, so they've always worked for our local state government and um, I assumed that I would work for government for my whole career. So I spent 16 years working in state government in regional development roles, trade and economic development, engagement and well-being and I thought I'd do that forever. And during that time, I had our two kids that are now 12 and 10, and when my youngest was about one, I'd just gone back to work part-time, I realised I was filling my life not only with the physical stuff, but with the mental load of running a household. And I think we can default into doing it all when we're on maternity leave, because we have we think we've got more time, and we learn how to do everything with the kids. And then when we choose, if we do choose to go back to work, we continue to add on a part-time workload plus keep doing everything we've always done and I was at a meeting for a community suicide prevention network talking about RUAK day it's a big day here in Australia thinking about some strategies support well-being of people in our community so they don't get to the stage of wanting to self-harm and I can tell you everything to do but then when I stopped focus notice and took some time to think about what I was doing I was doing none of it. And I started to see that, yeah, I was probably getting to yeah the stage where I was drowning in too much stuff, too many commitments and yeah, held it all together publicly in the the community meeting and jumped back in my car and just burst into tears. And that was a real light bulb moment for me and realized that I needed to, yeah, strip back stuff in my life and started with a phone call in tears to my work boss and said that, I'm not coping, there's too much. And we really decluttered my work commitments and came home and had a chat with Mr Farmer. My husband did the same thing, burst into tears to him. And we've always been a great team, but I chose to take on more responsibilities, but he was very willing to be part of the process too. So we divided and conquered and worked out what we could both take responsibility for and slowly over time, um, we've built our decluttered life and I actually had a skiing accident with the kids. Um, I was chasing my six year old son down the mountain and snapped my ACL five years ago, which is how, um, it hurt again when we caught up in South Australia, but I was actually starting an Instagram account as some accountability for a knee knee rehab. And I was sharing some of the strategies in our home for simplifying. And yeah, people started to like that. And slowly that built into the business that is now Be Simply Free, helping people to simplify their lives and save time and money so they can collect more moments, not things. So a very weird way of starting a business.
0: No, it's cool. I think um, some of the best businesses are built on your own experiences yeah so can we go back to that conversation with your husband I'm just thinking of a lot of women out there I think of myself included where we might have these conversations and potentially not much comes from it it sounds like your husband was very receptive or was it a process
1: yeah, it was a, a step-by-step process. And I talk a lot about baby steps with my clients as well. But even if we go back, I'm a city girl. So I've moved to the York Peninsula, to South Australia almost 19 years ago. And um, he was a country boy. And when we started dating, he was living at home with his parents and I was um, living with a flatmate. And then when we decided to live together, I think I was very conscious of having a husband that just moved out from having uh, a mum to help him out with a lot of things. And we were very intentional about saying, we're both working full time. I am not your mother (laughs) and we're going to work together to get everything done. And uh, then we moved to the, the farm and had the kids. And I think it's just default that we think we have more time when we're looking after the kids, which is technically a 24-7 role when we're on maternity leave. And it was easier. I took up and could do the family rearing tasks easier because I've done it day in, day out. And then going back to work, I just lost another tw- another 20 hours from my week by working, but I was still doing everything in our home.
0: Mm. I'm sure and so think- many people you know, are just hearing this and going, yes, 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 I even had a conversation and... Um, a messenger group with good friends you know us all feeling like um, a bit kind of overwhelmed by the fact that we have this these massive workloads and then we take most of the responsibility of the kids and most of the responsibility of the household and um, it's full-on it's you know it's it's not really okay is it?
1: We have 1,440 minutes in our day. I talk a lot about finding 1% of your day, which is 14.4 minutes. But if we keep adding, we we cannot get more time. It's a finite resource. Yes, we can have some more money and we can strip back our commitments, but there physically cannot be more than 1,440 minutes in your day. Mm-hmm. So the only way we can do more is to either outsource it to someone that's paid or work with the people around us for them to take on some of those responsibilities. And that's what we did as a family. Back then, my eldest would have been four and my youngest around that two mark and we literally sat down and had a chat and it was me crying. So it wasn't that yelling conversation, but it was the raw emotion coming out. And I think sometimes we forget to have that communication step of how we are physically feeling, because no one can argue with you about how you are feeling Mm -hmm. and by being able to express how you're feeling, it can be a starting point for making change. And you do need to have a receptive partner in that discussion about what wants to change. And there needs to be some compromises as well. Um, It might be that your level of cleanliness needs to drop a bit. Maybe it doesn't need to be that deep hospital version clean of something. Maybe the floor's... Can be mopped less than daily. Like our floors can go a fortnight without having a mop, and we're happy with a, a sweep. So it's about taking the time to communicate what you want your life to look like. So I talk about living a decluttered life and then taking baby steps with the important people that you love in your life, hopefully your partner and your kids, to work out your version. And there might need to be some compromises. Talking about time. Uh, now our kids are a bit older. We aim for them to do one sport in summer and one sport in winter because they've got friends that are out of the house six days a week, taking Mm. kids to all the different sports practices. And that's not something that our family um, wants to prioritize, giving them access to every possible sport. They're lovely sports, um, mad kids, but they're not going to be Olympians. So we don't need them out every day of the week. Mm. So we can have some time to get the things done in our life and Hopefully we can get out and use our caravan, collecting many moments with our family. So, and there's no right or wrong way. I'm not saying that what we're doing is the right way, but it's about our family having that conversation. And as our kids get older, we include them in it as well and working out what our version of a decluttered life um, that brings us joy is.
0: Yeah, something to really think about. And I think a lot of us kind of learned that lesson through COVID. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, we were doing way too much in terms of kids' sports. I'm thinking right we'll peg it back but it's just so easily easy for it to then come back again and it comes from a good place doesn't it because you want your kids to have the opportunities Um, but I guess it's weighing up if you're doing that what is it what impact does it have is it quality so how tired are the kids which ones do they love the most
1: And I think sleep for adults and kids is super important. And I think as women, we can, I talked about in my early days of being a teenager and not being able to study until the house was tidy and you had a clear space, was a clear mind. And we can fall into that default as well as women that we can't go to bed until everything's reset and sorted out. And then what do we sacrifice? The sleep element. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I used to be a night owl and was for the first 35 years of my life. And in the last six years, I slowly, again, over a two and a half year period, getting up 15 minutes earlier, I get up. Um, I haven't quite got back there yet after my knee injury, but I choose to get up early to give myself the best of me in the morning rather than what's left of me at the end of each day, because I found that self-care was looking like mindless scrolling or watching TV when I did it at the end of the day when I was exhausted. But by going to bed early and getting up earlier, my self-care and me time looks like a farm walk with a, a minion head torch on my head because it's so dark in the And that time. It's um, doing some reading or I actually started my business in the hour before the kids got up um, and my business started two weeks before COVID. <laughs> so it's choosing how you want to set up your day. And knowing that change is possible if you're wanting to make it and having support around you to make that change as well. So, um, yeah, obviously the my husband takes a big role in running our family as well. And to be honest, we've adjusted our farm life as well to, to suit our family better. I think there's that perception, particularly with farm families, the more acres you have, the more staff you have, the bigger you are, the better you are. Um, And I would encourage people to see if, if that's what you truly want your life to be and we've decided to lease out some of our property. So someone else is managing it. So it frees up our family to have a bit more time together as we're younger, because my husband was talking to farmers that were late fifties, sixties, early seventies, and they were telling him they, they wish they'd had more time with their family when they were younger. And he's like, I'm hearing this over and over again. Mm. I have the
0: opportunity to do that now. So that's what we're doing. That is honestly so super inspiring, both you and your husband and how you yeah, just so very much on the same team.
1: Oh, we, we pick a lot of cats and dogs as well at the same I'm time sure. sometimes yeah. too. So it's, yeah. And I hope that I, on my Instagram, I, very, I love stories and I hope I share a lot of the let's be real moments. My kitchen is a mess right now. Um, I don't need it to be tidy all the time, but by having less stuff in our fridge and pantry, it means that it's not getting super cluttered in the morning and we can tidy it up within five, 10 minutes at the end of the day. So that's a big philosophy of mine. It's not having a, a an always tidy home. It's having an easily tidied home. And same with kids' toys. If you can set up some toy rotation systems so the kids don't have access to the hundreds of toys that they have and have a smaller amount, it's it's easier to tidy up 10 toys than it is to tidy up a whole toy room that has 100 toys that they're pulling out of boxes and putting on the floor to look for.
0: Amazing. So thinking about organisation, are there any, I guess, pitfalls from being so organized,
1: oh, that's a good one. I think sometimes, oh, I don't know. pitfalls of being too organized. I don't think I'm always organized. And i I think there's that fine line. I believe in planning enables flexibility, so um, we have a rough plan, but we can change it. Like I had my fingers crossed desperately to try and get Taylor Swift tickets last weekend, <laughs> last Thursday, I spent, um, seven hours trying to get some last minute tickets for Miss Tan and I, and we didn't make it happen, but we would be able to flip our weekend to spend three days getting to and from Melbourne for a concert if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's having a plan, but being flexible with it as well. And yeah, it allows, and everyone in our house has a idea of what needs to be done. And if you can teach others to do things for you, it means if you're not around or if something changes or God forbid, a bad thing happens that you need to go and help someone, um, the rest of the family can do the things that are involved in running a household. It's not all in your head. That's Mm -hmm. a big thing. I talk about the mental load, mental load, uh, is the things that it takes to think about and run a household. It's the invisible labour involved in running yeah. a family and a home. And we forget that that is work. It is physically exhausting. It uses calories and brain cells to do. And if people don't know, if you're not teaching your kids and your husband what's involved with getting the kids out the door and what time they need to be somewhere, um, if you're not there, who's going to be able to do it. I think mm. husbands and kids should be able to do the things it takes to run a household too because our job's to raise capable adults and if we're doing everything for them out of love, a lot of the time we do mm. things for other people out of love, we're doing or, them a disservice. because it's quicker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. and teaching, But it's only quicker
0: short term, isn't it, not long Yeah, term.
1: a year from now you'll be grateful you taught them today. <laughs> yeah.
0: So while we're on this topic, what would be um, sort of like three or five top tips for someone who's hearing this and feeling inspired? Obviously, they'll go and check you out on Instagram and head to your website. You've got programs you can tell us about at the end. But um, what would some tips be for getting started?
1: I've said it a few times. I say it to all my clients is stop focus notice. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow morning, when you wake up, stop doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, focus and see what's actually happening in your morning. And I'd even encourage you to grab out your note, note section of your phone and jot down the time you woke up and what you're doing, and then how long it's taking to do all the elements of your morning. And then hopefully once the kids are off at school um, and you've gone into your work life, either at lunchtime or that night, take some time to notice. So stop, focus, notice. Notice what happened in your morning and what tweaks you can make to change it. Our kids are 12 and 10, and over the last two or three years, they pretty much run their own morning with um, getting themselves dressed, having their clothes to access making their own breakfast, making their own lunch. And we've got timers that go off to get them to the bus on time. But previously I used to do all those things. So that's some of the way I've been able to claw back some of my time in my day by teaching them how to do those elements of their, their life so they can manage their morning. I'm still moving around. and I'm actually doing some of our household um, cleaning and tidying tasks so I can free up our weekend. So First tip is to stop, focus, notice what's currently happening in your household and what tweaks you could make as a family to change that. And the key step is to, as a family, make those changes. So my tip number two would be to have a family meeting, sit down as the family maybe um, after a a dinner time and explain how you're feeling about how the household is running and what changes you're wanting to make going forward and try one. We're not going to flip the world overnight, but if we can start freeing up 15-minute blocks of your day, that's really where everyone's going to be able to um, take on some different responsibilities and see what's an age appropriate task for your kids. Obviously, if the kids are a lot younger, it might be them taking plates to the sink or um, dishwasher and things like that as they get older, filling up the the dog um, food and things like that up to even kids doing their own washing. A little adage I always like to share, if kids kids can use an iPad, they're capable of turning on a washing machine. So let's, yeah, let's get the whole family involved on doing different tasks um, in your day. And, yeah, tip number three would be to have fun. Like I talk about working out what your version of a decluttered life is. That is sort of the the shining light that I encourage my clients to look forward to. Like, we're going to have to go through some hard stuff to declutter the physical stuff in our home, but we're doing that to free up our time, to save money from buying that excess clutter in the future. So for our family, it's getting off and collecting moments, not things with the people that are important to us. So doing things as a family or getting away with our friends. So I talk to my kids that we don't buy as much crap from Kmart or Target or have as much um, incidental takeaways as maybe their friends do because we save that money. We have money going into a holiday account so we can get away and we had um 27 mini moment getaways, is what I talk about as our family. So getting away from the farm overnight, and most of those happened as our whole family of four. Some of them happen with me and the kids. Obviously, my husband has to spend a bit of time with seeding and harvest. We do run a functional yeah, board, think, it's not all just yeah. <laughs> Um, and some is like how we caught up. So going over to Oruru and Kimba, um, that's one of my mini getaways I did without the family. So knowing, so stop, focus, notice, see what's happening now, communicate what you want your life to look like with your kids and your husband and really see, make that plan of what your decluttered life looks like. And I'm looking at my laptop screen here, and I've got some pictures of what that looks like for me. So there's a, the word fun written in sand. So that's my word for 2024 is to have more fun. There's a picture of a, a book um, with a love heart made out of the pages because I adore reading, but I'd love to write a book. And there's a caravan on here. There's the picture of me over at Kimber presenting There's my husband and I at renewing our 10-year wedding anniversary vows with the Elvis Celebrant at the Parks Elvis Festival. There's a, yeah, it's like having those visual images so you can come back to them when things get hard.
0: It's very inspiring. I, after hearing you speak in Kimber, I was, you know, thinking about signing up, but I thought, I don't know if now's the right time. And hearing you again, I'm like, right, I need to do it because I know that, the barrier for me is thinking I don't have time now to do the little bits of stuff to make it happen. But then I think to myself, that's what some people say about exercise as well. And I know that when you do these things, your life is better. It makes you more productive and it's worth worth investing a bit of time now for the future. So I'm going to say it publicly. I'm signing <laughs> up um, before the end of the year, ideally in the next couple of months to get stuff going, especially because my youngest daughter, I feel like I need some help to help her as well. Room is always messy. Like I haven't put the right things in place for her to set her up for success. So and I'd it's like working with your
1: different, yeah, your kids are different. So there is a free survey that I always encourage people to do called the Love Languages Quiz. I'm not sure if you've done it before or yeah. understand your your partner and your kids' love language. And it's really interesting in but how. have done it with
0: the kids. That's a great yeah. idea.
1: There's a kid's one as well. So, and you may have a guide to what they are and you might think kids all want to receive gifts, but my 12 year old, his gift giving is 3%, but his highest love language is words of affirmation followed by... um quality time, I think. And my daughter's is 30% um, receiving gifts and 30% quality time. Mine is acts of service. So someone doing the mopping for me or doing the food shopping or anything for me is my love language. And my husband's is quality time. So it's really interesting, the similarities and differences between our family, but it's handy to understand those when we are giving and receiving gifts. So I will naturally default into giving acts of service as my form of yes, um, it's giving your love. and yeah. this, um, Whereas my daughter's is more, um, yeah, res- giving those gifts and my son's is talking and like supporting people with those um, affirmations of word- wording. So, and I do that back to them as well. So, of course, my my son loves to receive things, but his things are more bigger. He likes his motorbikes and things like that. So he doesn't need those scattering of little gifts throughout the year or things and he can have a bigger thing and know that that's going to be something he uses all the time whereas my daughter is the treasure collector Mm -hmm. and has a drawer in her room that's got all the little things that she loves and stuff like that and that's how we set up their rooms she can have as many beautiful little treasures that she has that fits within a space boundary in a drawer in her home uh, in her room and then as it is filling up I will um, talk to her as it's filling up saying when that's full we need to make some choices of what stays and what goes and then we'll work together to decide what she truly loves because if everything's special, nothing is special and we talk to them over time about making those changes and seeing what works for them. So if you look at her room, there's more shelves to display things. She's got little hooks that have got some of her uh, premier's reading challenges, uh, medals on it just knickknacky things, but they all have a home. So as long as the things in their spaces have a home, um, it can be displayed any way they want. It just can't be scattered on the floor.
0: I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And like, I, I've even stopped focus notice of how I run my business. So previously I had a course clear clutter Find time running three times a year. And there were eight weeks that we worked together to kickstart that decluttering process. But I've decided this year to really strip it back and to have a, a monthly intake of people to help them really do those fundamentals of what they want the life to look like, who they are, Um, what sustainable systems could work for their household and then how to do the decluttering over those four weeks and that can kickstart them. And then if they want ongoing support, they join the Be Simply Free Forever membership because I was finding that people yeah, didn't know how to start. So that's how people can have that four-week immersion in the, the Be Simply Free course at any time. So starting at the the second Tuesday of every month throughout the year. Um, so there's no excuses. If you've got a, a date you're looking at, you can say, okay, I'm going to start in March or April. Yeah. And then if you want the support going forward, you can join the the kickstart and some accountability calls going past that as well. But it just gives people a different way to get rid of that fear of starting.
0: Great, cause your yeah, eight weeks can fe- can feel a bit daunting, can't it? Yeah, yeah. When we were discussing the podcast, you said that you've you know had something in your life happen to you that was as tough for everybody, and as someone who is big on organization and likes to have things planned, it was you know, an extra hurdle. Um, can you share that with us?
1: Yeah, so. I'm a planner and I, when I started working for our education department, I was on a one plus two year contract. So I started in the job and once I knew that I had a two year extension, I thought we could start planning for a family and we did that. I read all the books and got as organized as I could be, uh, tracked my temperature and, everything like that so I could get a guide of when I was going into ovulation. So I did everything possible and was as planned as I could be to have our first child. And I don't know, we were lucky or organised or knew all the right things to do and got pregnant quite quickly and were excited, did all the right things that we were told to do. Um, But we flew over to Melbourne for the Australian Open in January 2011 and we were going out with friends. So being those early days when everyone's drinking, I was planning to tell everyone while we're over in Melbourne that we were, luckily, pregnant. I was nine weeks then. Yeah, Yeah. so we were going to tell people um, a little bit earlier than traditional. Um, uh, But when we got over there, staying at a, a girlfriend's house, we woke up on the Friday morning to bleeding and obviously Googled everything to see what options We had. And being from the country, we are about two and a half hours from Adelaide here in South Australia. If this had happened at home in the country, there would have been less support for um, what we were able to do next. Um, But being in Melbourne, we were able to find an early pregnancy clinic and a walk-in clinic that we could go and see a doctor straight away and um, get an ultrasound straight away. Sadly for us it meant that um, we found out there was no heartbeat and that I was naturally losing the baby so we didn't need to have um, extra surgery but this was happening while we were in Melbourne, my friends were at work and we were planning to go to the Australian Open um, so that was obviously very traumatic for us. My husband was with me at the time. We were uh, both together and, yeah, there's you can't, plan your way out of a miscarriage there was mm, the medical professionals told us the data there was no heartbeat and then we had to go through the process of um, me passing the baby while we were in Melbourne and then telling everyone yeah that there there was no baby anymore and going through yeah the pain pain of those
0: contractions and Mm. yeah it was challenging. Even though you were in Melbourne, it was easy to access those facilities, really hard to not be in the comforts of your own home.
1: Yeah, luckily it was with my very best friend. We'd been friends since the start of high school, so we were in their place. Um, So they gave us some space and some time together and let us, um, yeah, we had a very open relationship with them to be able to say, do you want some space or do you want us around? And I was able to say, yeah, I want some time with you guys or I need some time alone, um, to, to go through that. If we'd been home on the farm, there would have been, yeah, no options. They would have just said to wait it out and see what happens. And it might've even been hard to get an ultrasound to, to check what was happening. Um, yeah, that was pretty stressful to go through. Mm. And then we, went back into the planning process of trying again and our doctor said just to um, give it a month and then we could start again and we were able to get pregnant with now Mr 12 and so we lost the first pregnancy in January uh, 2011 but had our son in December 2011 so oh, wow. it wasn't yeah it wasn't a, a long time period but I shared a a real well, I started with a story because um, I think we don't realize how common it is that mm. people have had a miscarriage, and I didn't know the people around us um, how many of them had. And yeah, it's been 13 years since I uh, lost that baby because obviously, the Australian Open every year is a time point, start uh, time point reminder of mm. um, going through that. Um, so I just shared that again to hopefully if anyone else is going through that, know that, yeah, I'm a, a message away if anyone wants to talk through it because I had some wonderful friends or extended people around me that had gone through it that I was able to talk to. And it feels so, why me, when you're going through it in the moment and there's there's no reason for it to happen. And it, I, think, I think it's one in four that people that it happens to. Um, yeah, we have some friends that have struggled quite hard, Uh, with miscarriage, but hopefully people don't feel alone when more of us talk about it and, and share that we've gone through, yeah, an awfully stressful period, but you can't, you can't organize and plan your way out of those things. But yeah, we have two beautiful children now, um, but it did make those pregnancies quite stressful, not knowing if something's around the corner, something's going to happen. And with my daughter, I was pregnant with her. i just turned 30 and all your markers change when you become out of your 20s. And we had to have an amniotic um, test to check her levels around um, some different things. She's perfectly fine, but we had to have extra tests around her heart and um, have a test to see if she was, what her genetic markers were showing. So there was no <laughs> smooth sailing for either of those pregnancies, but we do have two beautiful children because of it.
0: And did you feel like a sense of that carried on to other aspects of your life at all? Like not wanting to get your hopes up for things because you'd had, you'd had your hopes crushed so dramatically.
1: I think I'm quite a positive person that I always look for the best option, but I'm a very data driven and research driven. So I've always got all the different options. I'm aware of what different options I have, but even if we go back to a manual, like a not related, but trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. I'm like, I was paused. I'm like, this is impossible to get. I'm like, there's a slight hope that we can get them. So, I think there's always a slight hope with anything that I do that I'm hoping for the best, but planning maybe for the worst in there as well.
0: Yeah. Anything else, I guess, that major challenges or learnings in your life that sort of has shaped the person you are today?
1: I, as I mentioned before, I never plan to be a business owner. It's sort yeah. of, flowed through because different sectors. as I said, we're based in the country and a lot of the work I do in project management working for our state government is regionally based. So I report back to Adelaide about what's happening in different areas of trade and investment or education or regional development. And through different iterations of government, we have had some changes in those roles or redefining of what they are and in 2019 i started a new role and within six weeks we were moved to a whole different department so i went from a job that was very aligned with my values and skill sets around supporting workforce development and helping people change their family tree by being empowered to study and complete training that can change the trajectory of their career or their lifestyle into a different department that was more focused on the money, getting more trade and investment out and into our regions. And while I could do those roles really well, it just didn't align as closely to my values and what I love to do. And I think there was about three trips to Adelaide that we just had bombs dropped on us, this massive changes. And again, there's lots of tears in my stories, but they're holding it together in meetings and then jumping into cars and letting loose and feeling what I was feeling. And I remember coming home from Adelaide one day, I don't know if I'd heard it or seen it. And there was a quote about not all storms, not all storms come to block your path. some come to clear it or I something along those one. lines. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, okay, I can keep fighting through this and I can keep feeling like crap in and doing my job, but just not enjoying it as much, or I can do something different, which was petrifying for someone that had always sh- shared my knowledge to people uh, for free because I'd been paid by the state government to offer them that advice. And I thought, if time and money were no object, what would I do? And I thought back to the things that I really enjoyed and it was professional organizing, but that also scared me. And my ego was a bit scared of that as well, because I'm university educated. I have a a bachelor of um, an MBA and I have all these paper knowledge and it didn't feel that being a professional organizer was as good for my ego, which is scary to say, but that was the truth of what it was. But if I wanted a job and a life that lighted me up, that is what I wanted to do. So that was, I think it was the 21st of May, 2019, I wrote that down. And then I took baby steps to change what my career would look like. And as I said, I was getting up earlier and I would find a half an hour pocket or an hour pocket to do some research into the professional organising industry. There's an association. I went to their conference to actually talk to people doing this role and learn about it. And then when my contract ended with state government in July, 2020, as the world was changing, I'd launched Be Simply Free on the 3rd of March. So we're almost coming up to the four year anniversary of Be Simply Free. That that started two weeks before the world flipped on its head with COVID. um, And I left my full-time state government role in July, 2020. And being risk adverse and having to know all the things, I didn't want to put too much pressure on my business to be able to sustain me during a pandemic. So I took a three-day-a-week part-time role so I could grow my business two days a week. And slowly over time, I built Be Simply Free and I run it three days a week and I still work uh, two days a week for our local council as their grants and investment coordinator. And I think sometimes we hear in business that people leave their their past life or their past job and a full time into their business. And I would like to think that I actually really enjoy grant writing. In effect, it's business organization and helping people demystify the process of getting money into their business or not for profit and things like that. So I actually love the two elements of my life, being able to support my local community through my employee role and then support people's personal organization. And I also do some consultancy grant writing under Be Simply Free as well. So, I hope people can hear that and know if they do want to change a direction and get rid of all the the crappy bits of their old life. I've sort of kept all the good elements of my past government role in the grant writing, which is something I love to do. And then I've picked up and started my own business around professional organizing and life simplification, helping people save time and money by decluttering their spaces and their mental load and their calendar as well. So it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You can. Make a change and, yeah, have a business and an employee role if that's what you choose. What's your version of a decluttered life and get closer to that. Don't try and keep up with the Joneses and
0: do what everyone else is doing. You do you. With your your business, could you financially do just that?
1: Yeah. So I've set up my business that all my decluttering clients are all over Zoom because again, me, I didn't want to be driving all over the countryside because my closest client is half an hour away. So I actually work with clients over in Ireland and New Zealand as well, and all over Australia via Zoom with them as well. So yes, it's, um hasn't fully replaced what my old income was, but yeah, I could run the business on its own, but I get so much joy for bringing in Sometimes millions of dollars to our little community through my council role. And like our local tennis courts, which are five kilometres down the road, I was part of the process to help get them off the ground because our club had been closed for the last 12 years because the courts weren't up to standards. So we couldn't have a tennis club on it. And as the council, they decided to put in a grant to refresh netball tennis and basketball courts across our council area and that was my role to to do the organizing get the quotes to write the applications and to sell it to our state government that this was a worthy initiative to support the the active keeping an active community and now my kids are, are playing tennis on those mm, courts nice. we've got yeah four three junior teams and the senior team um, getting out there in our local community as well so yeah, who knows what will happen going forward? But yeah, the next five year plan is to to still continue to grant right and to help people get organised in their personal life too.
0: Awesome. Um, now you mentioned before, I thought this could be quite cool to chat about getting into the car after these big meetings and crying, and how it's good to let it out. I didn't. Why I was just sort of why this caught my attention is I had a moment yesterday where I released a whole lot of stuff that I didn't realise I was holding in, and I had a lot of tears and. Oh, it was so, it was really therapeutic and it got me thinking about how often we have to be strong in some situations. For me, there's certain times that I, you know, need to be strong. So I'm strong. And then often you stay strong and you don't actually release what that was because, you know, you move on to the next thing, but it's still in there. So what have you learned about that? Is that something that you are very clear on that you do release? those emotions? I think society
1: can tell us we need to always be strong and there is more of a movement. And like we heard in Kimber with Steph Trithui talking about that vulnerability and sharing more earlier. I think that's part of the process too, because society says, hold it together, don't show any emotion. And sometimes that is needed in different situations. Mm -hmm. But if that continues over and over again, that's when it builds up. That's when, The mental health implications build up. That's when the resentment to the people around us builds up. And I believe the critical step that a lot of us aren't thinking about is that communication step. And if we can have some of that communication earlier with the people around us, um, our partners as well, maybe we can alleviate or reduce the impact of those um letting emotions out as the crying episodes and sometimes we all just need a good cry i watched Mm -hmm. one day on netflix over the weekend and was a bawling mess watching that last episode um so it sounds so good
0: i've had seen it so much on instagram and had lots of recommendations but i'm a bit nervous about that last episode
1: yeah. And it's a good reminder. It talks about someone's life. I'm 20 years post-university studies. And you think about all those sliding door moments in your life and yeah, how you've ended up to where you are now as well. So yeah, sometimes we might need a movie to let us out.
0: <laughs> is, is it a sliding doors type?
1: Uh, I won't give too much away, but it's, it's thinking about the choices you've made through those um, 20 years and how, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah I absolutely love that movie sliding doors I always mm-hmm. look for it on on Netflix but it hasn't been there yet I'm sure it will at some point it's an oldie yeah. but so But good. yeah
1: getting back yeah, you know, having that communication so I think a lot of the time for for me those outbursts of crying uh holding it together in a public place which was probably appropriate in those two settings mm. with the people that I was around but then letting it go on my own, but also then letting go with important people. Like I was very grateful that my boss in that situation was a caring, compassionate person, that she hadn't, I was putting those expectations of the full-time workload when Mm -hmm. I was only working part-time on myself, because I'm very driven to want to deliver for my family, the people around me, But I needed someone to go, these are your top priorities. You only have, I think it was 18 and a half hours a week to get all this done. You need to focus on this and let some of the other things go and let some of the admin support around us do those things um, as well. And for us as as a family, I've definitely noticed that when my husband's communicating with me with some of the challenges he's having on the farm. Um, sometimes it's not actually solving them for him, but mm. he, giving him an avenue to verbalise them. We talk about the mental load of a household and how that can run around in their head, particularly for farmers that are maybe one or two-person operations. The yeah, the farmer can be holding a lot of that in their head, and if they can just verbalise that and share with someone, sometimes I can ask them more critical questions to get him thinking a bit differently. Um and that can help him to to understand things a bit differently. And that's what I do with my one-on-one clients and in my accountability calls, help people to ask those critical questions to help them work out what needs to change and what they want their life to look like.
0: Amazing, love it. Do you exercise as part of your life again or is your knee still? Um... She
1: asked, yesterday was my first head torch walk. I get up quite early. Um, I'm not quite back to there, but I quite early. Like Four forty-four.
0: Oh, that is early. <laughs> Anything before five is definitely very early. Yeah.
1: So I read the the five a.m. Um, club, and yeah, I I have a Fitbit alarm that vibrates on my wrist, so I don't wake up my whole family at that time. And yeah, I get myself organized and head out the door for a, a twenty or forty minute walk around our farm, and post-knee injury. So as I said, I injured and snapped my ACL in um, about six years ago now and did conservative rehab on that. But on those tennis courts I helped get at Alford, I was helping the kids have a bit of a hit and got a bucket handle, meniscus tear um, on that my knee just before we caught up in um, in October last year. So I am four months post-surgery on that. So yesterday was my first farm walk super early in the morning and I'm just getting back into the exercise. So I, that morning walk and I've missed it terribly Mm. over the last four months is a big part of my mental health. And just having that alone time because of the mum and a worker and in a business, we can be around people or talking to people all the time. So having 20 to 40 minutes to get out, uh, walking on a private track on our property. So there's no cars coming past me or anything like that. Do you get
0: scared though? Like I'd be too scared to walk in the dark. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is an internal track. So there's no cars possibly driving past me. And if there are any of me, there's trouble. We yeah, also There might have, be
0: boggy men though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have <laughs> my awesome. farm dog walking with me, not my farm two hour, but our oh, sheep dog good. will come with me. Perfect. She just
0: and we, someone
1: there. Yeah. And we have an app called Life360. I'm not sure if you've seen that one. We actually got that for my farmer husband when he's out during seeding and harvest time into the early hours of the morning. And it can show if the speed that the person's walking or driving or riding a um header or tractor. So if I can see he's going up around that 10 kilometers per hour, I know he's still alive and moving. And we also use that for when I'm out walking. So he could pinpoint where I am at any moment of time. So oh, nice. Yeah. And I've always got my phone on me while I'm walking. And then I just have one AirPod in my ear so I can hear what's happening around me. Um but yeah, exercise for me, that is a beautiful part of my morning listening to an audio book or a podcast, um, And then with my knee rehab, we have a pool. So my physio has made me an aqua program. So while the kids are running around in the pool and jumping in and doing bombs, I'm doing some strengthening exercises for my knee there. And yeah, and I love some home workouts as well um, to be able to be pushed by someone else to to get through a 20 or 30 minute um, block as well. So
0: yeah, and I can't imagine you'd be someone that would go to a gym because the the time driving to the gym, what a waste of time when you can do it at home.
1: Yeah, and I've tried that, and I'm going to do some Pilates uh, reformer classes, but I'll time them around school pickup and drop off. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a wonderful instructor that was just a bit further away in another town, but it was an hour and a half, so 40 minutes, 40, 45 minutes each way to get to her class, plus an hour class. And when Mm. I stopped focus notice and looked at how I was spending my time, it just wasn't the right fit for this season of our life to do that. Um, so yeah, I definitely love the the home workout options and yeah, getting them in. And we've got some home weights that I use for some extra resilient uh, re- resistance and those exercise bands are super um, yeah amazing yeah, they're too. Great, aren't they? During COVID, I went to I think it was Kmart or Big W here and there was no exercise equipment and yeah, only- it was so hard those- to get a 10 kilo weights vest mm-hmm. and oh my goodness if you've ever worn a weights vest oh, yeah. um, I can wear it for about half an hour but that's a good way of getting some extra um, cardio into my morning walk without having to do a run. <laughs>
0: yeah, perfect I just said the sudden thing I, I just wanted to share with you how funny it was when we were driving to Kimber from Oruru and you were like hey guys just just be careful for roos and all that type of stuff and like okay okay sweet so maybe I'll drive a bit slower and you're going 120 our, <laughs> our road limit is 100 yeah yeah um in parts it should be it should be faster but mostly we have quite a lot of windy roads we don't have the big long straight roads like you do mostly um and I was like okay well how am I what am I supposed to do like you're driving so fast and then I. <laughs>
1: what's that and that's why I was in the front I had the bull bar on the front yeah. of my car and you had the rental car I'm like if we're gonna hit something at least mine's got the bull bar to yeah but stop you're, you're
0: too far ahead. <laughs> 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 Oh, it was
1: such a cool drive. and then driver. what did we see we saw emus we saw yes. goats did we see sheep and kangaroos
0: I think you had yes. a wildlife and expedition. I'm sure we saw snakes going across the road yep and um yeah did, did you say emu emu yeah there was yeah. babies on the side of the road too wasn't there, oh, Baby there? i was yeah. probably um i maybe saw a few things but i was still like looking at the road <laughs> and trying yeah. to keep up no that we'll was very to cool. australia <laughs> yeah, yeah it was so cool all right i've got 10 this or that questions for you to finish off a bit of fun cool. hit all weights uh a bit of both but probably more weights yoga or pilates oh i love them both yoga tea or coffee coffee wash or dry the dishes
1: uh I stack them I don't even wash them Ah. I delegate that to family members I
0: did think you you wouldn't actually be doing those two things but if you had to do one what would it be uh dry and put them
1: away in the right spot (laughs) (laughs) exactly the right place
0: um straight leg or baggy pants
1: Uh, Of course, straight landing. I'm a millennial. (laughs)
0: Love it. (laughs) Bungee jump or skydive? I've done
1: both. Skydive I enjoyed most. Bungee was scary to take that step off. Skydiving just got pushed off by the person behind you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The ground's so close with the bungee. I haven't skydived. I've bungee jumped, which I never thought I'd do. I'm not sure if I'll ever skydive. Sure. It is
1: beautiful, and mm. that moment of, yeah, floating through. And I actually did skydiving in New Zealand, so we did it over one of the glaciers. Um, oh. Yeah, so it was a beautiful view. So you've got the perfect place to do it. Oh, yeah,
0: there is skydive here. It's just there have been some accidents, so you, it makes you think. Yeah, but
1: there's an accidents driving a car. Oh, and there hey, is, exactly. Welcome to Australia with crocodile, um, not cro- all crocodiles, yes, that's another one, and, <laughs> and sharks around York Peninsula where we are.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just um how important it is for you to do it and whether it's yeah. something you really want to do weighing up the risk versus yeah. reward. Um, would you rather not wear deodorant or not brush your teeth? Oh. They're just part of my
1: routine, aren't they? <laughs> I'd never been thinking about it. Oh. Oh, tough one. No deodorant. I just have a quieter day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, would you rather be thirsty or hungry? Hungry? Okay, if this one's got a bit of meaning to it, (laughs) would you rather get locked out or locked in?
1: (laughs) Oh, we have to do that story. (laughs) Well, um, locked out because I'd go find someone else to deal with or find the spare (laughs) key.
0: (laughs) We were in Kimber, guys. Anna and I um, stayed in the same house as Bridget. And we had to get away early because we um, had to get back to Adelaide. I was about to call it Radelaide. I'm like a total <laughs> yeah. South Australian. Um, and we we had to get back and we took the key with us. So Bridget was locked out, but she got it sorted. But I didn't um, realize I was locked out. Yeah, it was a, a few moments of shit. How are you going to get in? And um, the owners were away on ho- on holiday, weren't they? So they were overseas. But mm. luckily,
1: as most farm properties have, there's a spare key that someone knows about, or we could get access to, so we <laughs> could get back in. Or uh, yeah, we would have found a way in. But it was a, a good little story. And um, <laughs> we normally have a little message going back and forth of something about the keys. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: you weren't organised for that one. Excuse me. Yeah. You didn't <laughs> check in with us for the key. <laughs> all right would you rather live in the central city like right in the bang in the middle or be two hours from the nearest town like any town? well I'm two hours from the nearest town now and
1: even I like love- little
0: town though like tiny town
1: uh yeah I still would yeah but I still love being out in the property um I love being able to get back into town and I'll catch up with my high school friends this weekend but yeah I do love the the quietness and the space of being on the property
0: Awesome. And this is one that um, Anna asked me a while ago and my sister was cracking up about it the other day to me. So I'll ask you, um, roll a derby or figure skating?
1: Roll the derby. <laughs> that was a, a derby. I'm a goal defence in that so I like a bit of Oh, uh, yeah, a bit <laughs> of push and shove.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, not know I'm a goal as attack, as so I know all too well about you goal defences.
1: I'm not graceful enough to be a figure <laughs> skater. <laughs>
0: That's oh I love one. it that way yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for your time Bridget um it's been so great to see you again feel your energy yes. and yeah so many take-homes from from your story um for everyone at home and I hope it has helped helped people out there so I know yes, I know thanks for having me oh excellent. Yeah,
1: and just when it comes to decluttering, like I think some people think it's too overwhelming to start, but pop that timer on, pop some, pop a timer on for 15 minutes. That's 1% of your day. We are so busy. There's so much in our lives and we're cramming so much into our 1,440 minutes. But I honestly believe everyone can find one percent of their day. Have a look at your screen time features, see how long you're spending on um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Mm. and let's just swap one percent of scrolling for one percent of doing. And start by clearing off that kitchen bench and get the family involved as well. Show them where everything goes, so you're not doing all the tidying. So yeah, just start.
0: What do I do about a husband who wants? I I want the bench clear. We've got this stack of magazines. And I had a clean out of them, put them away. He went ballistic and said, these need to be here. This is, what if I want to read them? He hardly ever picks them up.
1: Yeah, Stop, focus, notice. Is he actually reading them? Um, Have that communication with him and make a plan of, okay, you've said that these are being read all the time. Let's check back in in three months' time. And are they monthly magazines or quarterly or what are they?
0: They're all sorts of different ones, hunting, farming ones. I just sit there in a big pile. If you
1: haven't read them in three months, let's let them go. Um, And he needs to make some time into his life to actually read them. Maybe he can swap, um, if he's a social media or whatever he's doing, TV time, swap some of something else of his life to spend 1% of his day reading those books. And if he's not reading them, maybe we can unsubscribe and stop them coming into our homes as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, And they can live in the office or off the kitchen. Yeah. Bridge. Or
0: even just like some sort of little s- case or stack thing to put them in. They don't need to be in the kitchen. <laughs> no, no. It's sort of kitchen lounge. So it's like kitchen, you know, like he's sit on the breakfast bar and apparently yep. read them but yeah anyway.
1: yeah ask those questions when was the last time they were read yeah
0: I'm what? not sure it yeah. would be received
1: that well but it's, yeah. Start it's the about picking
0: choosing the right time to ask too yes
1: yes and explain how you feel about them being there and yeah. what alternatives can he come up with for a different place for them to go
0: yeah nice I like that thank you so much Bridget have an amazing day and yes thank we'll you hopefully catch up soon Yes,
1: and hopefully we won't
0: lose (laughs) some (laughs) keys. Thank you all so much for listening to the Dedicate podcast and to Bridget for her time and super helpful insights. Check out the show notes for the link to Bridget's Instagram. If you're new here and enjoyed this episode, listen to the previous two episodes from this season. Last week's Storm Baines Ryan Physio Injury Food Intolerances and Tips and the first from this season with our Dedicate trainer Nick Nick Sandland, moving to the country, motherhood, career, and people-pleasing. For our Aussie listeners, you'll also love episodes with Grace Brennan, Steve Forosky, and Emily Riggs. If you're not already a Dedicate member, come and give it a go. Short, effective workouts anytime and anywhere in a super supportive community of women across Australia and New Zealand. Get your seven-day free trial at kateivyfitness.com. See you there.